Welcome to The House, a real estate podcast that breaks down all the walls and helps create your open floor plan to success. We sit down with the movers, the shakers, and everyone in between to hear their stories and how to build success in this world. So draw up those building plans and start pulling permits because this is The House and we're breaking ground now. All right. Are you a realtor? If the answer is yes, stop right there. You do not want to miss this episode. We are back for another episode of The House Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Josh Handler, one of the founders of the Handler Zimmerman team over at Keller Williams. And this guy that we're about to bring on, met him at the Entrepreneur Conference. And the things that he mentioned, I feel so many realtors in this business do not do it all. And like he said, it is going to take over the way leads and the way relationships are done, in my opinion, which is really what interested me. He has a pages of things that are top, top, top. Just a couple. Number one realtor in the U.S. in 2021, $2.5 billion in annual sales. Yes, that's with a B, everybody, not an M, $2.5 billion. He was Forbes' top entrepreneur in 2020. The list goes on and on. But if you ever heard of the word B2B relationships, this guy is the king of that. With that being said, Jason Mitchell of JMG is here today. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I love being on. I'm here at our uh, corporate headquarters in Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm in our conference room here, hence the uh, random <laughs> behind me. But uh, thanks for having me on, Josh. I appreciate it. No, you know, thank you for taking the time again. You know, went to JB's thing at the Entrepreneur Conference, and that was the first time I really heard you speak and heard the things you said. And so many things clicked and really wanted to bring you on because myself included, I did not know what really B2B was. And I feel even at the conference, it was, it, I was honestly laughing so hard because the first like three people you called on literally did like one deal or like one rental. And we were like, all right, sorry, I got to go to the next guy. Like, cause what I'm trying to do is not going to work. So yeah, I was like, yeah. just dying. But the B2B strategy, like I know you touched on it, you know, for a little bit during the conference, but I just wanted you to go into it a little bit more of, what you know why'd you go that route and how'd you think about going into that route in the first place yeah you know for us it was one of the things i had an opportunity years ago uh, a partner of mine i'm from detroit and um you know at the time uh which was quicken loans had a company called in-house realty that they were sending their clients to trusted real estate partners to uh, help facilitate transactions in the field and so over a decade ago, I got a call to see if I wanted to work some of those referrals. And I said, yeah. And I started to do really well with them and close a lot of deals. And I thought, well, if I hired somebody that could help me with this, maybe they'll give me more as long as we keep doing what we do. And that worked. And then I said, okay, maybe I'll hire more. And they give me more and more opportunity. And, and they started to really grow their company too, clearly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess that's what I was saying. But um but then I thought maybe I could open new markets. And as we started opening new markets, I thought, well, I'm going to build my, I'm going to put all my chips on the table with this model. I'm going to build my whole tech stack around how do we receive referrals? How do we distribute them? My thought was I wanted to be a glorified and the best, what you would consider reload company in a sense in the world. That, that to, the, to this day, my goal is if you have distribution of clients, you utilizing reload companies for that they don't have the controls and the training and the tech like we do 
to manage these partnerships. Right. So I want to be known as the person that has the best platform if you have referrals to distribute. And I believe we are. Uh, we just have way more control over our agents. We have better quality agents. And so I built the whole model based around other people's businesses, other people's clients. And today, you know, we'll do about 65, 70,000 referrals this year um, for our grouping of a little over 300 agents for about 2.5 billion in sales. And as we continue to grow our partnerships, you know, they want to continue to give us more because we're a better choice than most people out there because of the systems that we have in place, the protocols that we have in place. And so that's why I tell agents, you know, A, it's hard to get into these networks. You know, most right. of them are closed networks. So when you talk about Rocket and Veterans United and Axos Bank and New American Funding and Amerisave and, you know, we're partners with Zillow, Open Door, you name it. Uh, many, many big, big uh, clients that we have, but they don't have even room in their channels for new agents or new teams. And so what I bring to the table is my relationships in the sense of if you work for JMG, you get to take part. And once you're, you know, you go through training and, and a few things, um, you know, you will have an opportunity to close more business than you ever have. But you also don't have to have an ad spend anymore because you're going to use our partners for you're building your book of business. You'll get our tech. You get our coach's corner. You know, we have an entire platform that it's not just about currency that we distribute. It's about the whole platform that we have. And so it works. And our average agent last year closed over 30 additional deals and made, you know, six figures more than they would have. But now they have way more clients in their book of business so they can refer their friends and family. Right. So it works. And so we, we built the whole model around it. Um, and it is the future of real estate because these major corporations that spend billions of dollars getting to the consumer first, they want trusted partners that they can send their business to because they don't want to be boots on the ground. Yeah. You know, they want to, they want their consumer to have a great experience through all these different phases and real estate happens to be one of those phases. And that's where we come into play. So the first step of you doing that now can the average realtor or average broker start doing something like this, or does it take so much legwork to really build it? Is it, let me rephrase. Is it more of a relationship that you went and met Hey, Mr. Zillow, you know, I have this team that we could take all your leads for and we can distribute it to our team members that you don't have to worry about anything. We'll take the best care of them like that. Or can like an average realtor try to make, you know, a relationship to start building a B2B style, you know, system. Well, you can't, you don't have to think about it from a corporate perspective, right? Like, you know, most agents only have their local market presence where we right. have nationwide coverage, but you, there's so many different ways to cut B2B. Like B2B is just servicing other people's clientele. And so when you think about it, you don't have to have these massive relationships. You could start tomorrow by putting together a program and a plan to go to, apartment complexes and say, Hey, when somebody leaves your apartment complex, I would love to pay you a referral fee on that and incentivize the consumer to come work with me. So as long as you bring awareness to the program, I'll service your clients as they leave. This is newfound revenue stream for you. So when they buy a house from me after they're not renting from you, you get paid on it. Like when you start to think out of the box, it's not like people think I got to go to Zillow or I got to go to you know, these, these major companies and you right. don't, 
you can do it in a local charities, uh, local companies in your marketplace, going to the HR director, putting employee benefits plans in front of people to say, look, when, you're, when your employee buys a home, if they buy with us, we're going to incentivize them. We're going to contribute to their closing costs. We're going to pay for their move. You know, you got to make sure the consumer wins. Right. But it doesn't just have to be with working with lending partners. It's just work. It's that's where like thinking out of the box. Yeah, that, like, that makes a lot more sense, honestly, because you know until you just said that, I'm all, I'm thinking, oh, you got to team up with this lender or that lender because they're the people pre-approving everybody. But you can really team up, like you said, with an HR of a company and be like, any of your employees, if they're looking to buy or sell, will pay X amount of dollars towards their closing costs, or like you said, towards moving. And you're building relationships now. You're adding in all these extra deals because you're going to be like their go-to realtor, for example, and it doesn't necessarily need to come from a lender. That's right. And you know, most of your big, your big network, most of your big like lenders and things like that, like, you know, Veterans United is a massive partner of ours, right? Like you can't get into Veterans United. It's a closed group. And so the odds of you getting into the same thing with Rocket Homes and same thing with RE Home Connect and even Zillow, like the, these are closed groups. And so it, it's very hard to get into these particular groups, but that doesn't mean you can't take the model and use it in other avenues to help build your book of business. We look at, look at divorce attorneys, right? People get divorced. They got to sell their home. Why don't you go partner with a bunch of divorce attorneys in town and, and build a niche out that way and offer some type of incentive to their consumers. So the attorney looks like a hero that you helped their client out. Like when you talk about financial advisors, when you, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. I mean, we had a deal with Renner's Warehouse for years that when their investors stopped wanting to rent their home and needed to sell it, they turn it to us. We sold a bunch of homes for them, right? So there's, but the, the, the most important thing is building the program and the plan, but then being able to actually deliver on what you do. And right. what most agents won't do is they'll just randomly call somebody. Can I take you to coffee? Can we do a virtual? They don't have a plan prepared. They just, they talk the talk. And then if they get an opportunity, they can't deliver on what they said they're going to do. They can't manage it. They can't track it. And, you know, these companies, they want to know that if I am trusting your service, then I need to make sure that you have the tools to follow through with what the partnership needs to look like. And that's why so many companies come to us and we just brought on better.com. Well, better knows that, you know, cause now a lot of people come to us. And so when they came to us and they said, you know, even blend, they have a network. Now they came to us and they know that we are the choice because if they plug into our ecosystem, they get everything. They know that we have great intro series, follow-up cadence, reporting, a client experience team that, helps the client not only when they're prospecting, but in the transactional, when they close. And if we can help deliver a better client experience to their client, then they look good and even better as well. And so right. that, you know, that to us is just what we do. Now, on the flip side of that, we can't take local partnerships anymore because it's too much lift for us to only receive a couple referrals a month for somebody where the average individual agent would be happy to receive opportunity like that. Absolutely. So where we got out of that space, there is space there locally for people to take part in that. But it's putting the work in. If you're going to do this, then you got to put in the work to make sure that you're creating value for other people 
And in exchange, you're receiving value from them. But we can't lead with our hand out. We got to make sure That's there's something in it for that partnership yeah. that we can win as well, too. That's it right there, because, you know, I think in this industry, a lot of realtors, especially if they're not doing a lot of business, they lead with their hand because they need that commission check so bad because they don't have enough coming through the pipe where they're not thinking, hey, if I give two or three thousand dollars off my commission and I'm making five grand instead of eight grand or whatever the number may be, they don't see the big picture or the future that all the deals that it can come from. And if all of a sudden you're bringing an extra five deals a year and you averaged five grand on each of them and you just added 25,000 to your portfolio, they don't realize that three grand that you gave up. Yes. You had to give up some money, but it, they don't, they're not seeing the big picture. Well, in their we own. model our economics on referral fees because every partnership we have, we pay a referral fee. And the way I look at it is I'll, if every single partner of mine called me today and said, we want an extra 5% on the referral fee you pay, my response would be, are you sure you don't want 10? Because I want to be a great partner. Because to me, the more partners that I have that trust us, the more units we get to do, the more people we get to help. Right. And that's all I care about. I do not care at all about the commission I'm making on that five. I care about how many clients can I service year over year over year, because the more of those people we service, the more internal referrals we can create to our agents from their friends and family. Right. And people are really short-sighted when it comes to that. They think that I got to give up 40% of my commission in order to get a referral from you. I'm not working for only, I'm not working for two thirds of what I'm used to, or I'm not working for only 50% commission. Well, then you're not the right agent and you're really short-sighted because if you gave up, say you had to give up 50%, but you could close five more deals a month compared to what you're doing now. So you're making half, take a 10,000 commission. So instead of making 10, you're making five, but you're closing five more deals a month. You're making an extra 25, you're making 300 grand more a year because you're not greedy, but you're also servicing 25, you're also servicing 60 more people a year that you would never have an opportunity to have in your portfolio that can send you more business, right. which is the key to real estate. The key yep. to real estate is your portfolio. How many people that you have helped can now send their people to you? And if, if people wanna be short-sighted about that, then I'll tell you what, it's gonna become more of the future, that's for sure. How long do you see it lasting before that's, how long do you think it's gonna be until you really see an impact where? It's happening now. I mean, yeah. look, think about it. Realtor.com, uh, along with Op City, uh, we're, we're partners with them. You can't buy those leads anymore. Two, three years ago, you could buy them. Now you can't. Zillow with Flex, you can't buy Zillow leads anymore. So the two biggest places where agents could buy leads that had the best conversion in terms of ad spend, you can't buy leads from them anymore. You have Ojo, you have all these networks that are spending millions and millions of dollars to get to the consumer in search so they could send that consumer to their agent partner to get a referral fee and a better client experience for their consumer. Right. It is getting increasingly more difficult for an average agent that doesn't really have an ad spend or very little. You think you're going to compete with Rocket? You think you're going to compete with Zillow? You're crazy. And so what that means is that the ability for you to work with more consumers is getting increasingly more challenging to where unless you're doing open houses or 
you know, and even, even, even these companies like the boom towns of the world or buying Facebook ads, those convert at one and 2%. So how yeah. many of those do you got to buy and spinning of your wheels? Like it, the game is changing and it's changing now. And what used to be when I got into the business in 2002, realtors, actually people, consumers went to realtors first. And then a realtor would advise, hey, you should speak to my lender. Right. It doesn't work that way anymore. People get pre-qualified first and then they find an agent or they search for houses first and then find an agent. Right. An agent is not first anymore. And because an agent is not first anymore, the agent now is losing out on those that get to the consumer first. And that's search. So that's Zillow. That's you know, realtor.com. That's yep. all those companies that specialize in search. Your Trulia's, your Redfin's, they own them at search. And then if they get pre-qualified, that's where your Rockets and your Veterans United and your NAFs and everybody else come into play. And then the realtors down here. And you can't compete with these guys in terms of capital. No. And so, so the bottom line is that what used to be when we were first and then sending our client through the funnel, the funnel has changed. We're third in line for the right. most part, for the most part, you know, people don't say I need to call an agent so they can help me get started with my home search. They go right to Zillow. Right. Yeah. Now, do you, do you see the whole, you know, people always talking a lot now, Zillow is going to be, they're becoming a broker. They're doing this, they're doing that, where they're going to take over, you know, every, they're buying showing time, they're buying all these things and they're trying to, you know, create the total umbrella of everything real estate. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this. No, no corporation wants to manage buyer traffic, meaning being boots on the ground buy side is a lot of work. And that requires brick and mortar. That requires management. That's a true brokerage boots on the ground managing buy side. I do believe you can manage list side as a corporation. And if you're going to manage list side, because you can manage that from a central location, we'll give you a discount to list your home. We're not going to be the one showing it, but we'll help you negotiate. We'll put together the contract. That's easy because you can do that centrally from anywhere. Right. But, but when a client calls you to want to go see a home tomorrow at four or today at three, like having boots on the ground is very, very hard to manage. And I, from the amount they would make on a referral fee compared to the overhead to manage boots on the ground buy side brokerage, it's not worth it. But I do believe a lot of companies will get into managing listings, providing discounts and doing all that, which to me, I welcome that because when someone sells a home, they're probably going to have to buy a home and will be the buy side representative of the more listings that my partners can drive in, the more buy side opportunities we're going to receive because they don't want to mess with boots on the ground buy side. It's too cumbersome. Right. So, you know, if they sell, they're coming to you, they're going to get pre-qualified through your channels and then they're going to shoot the buyer right to you, ready to roll. And you're out there. Exactly. But I don't think corporations should get into the buy side management of things. It's too hard. It's too expensive. There's so much management with it. But you can manage listings, I believe, centrally as a systematic approach to selling houses. But working with consumers in the field on buy side, I don't think any any smart corporation, I don't think will go down that path. Because if you make your client, if you make your agents employees, and let's say you're a lender, you're going to deal with some RESPA stuff, right? right? Because it's going to be hard as a lender to have 
boots on the ground buy side agents utilizing their own mortgage company that they refer to as an employee, right? Mm -hmm. So they have to be contractors and good luck managing contractors, good luck managing agents, not like we do, right? Right. So I don't, I don't think any, A, they shouldn't be the smart ones, won't do it. Just take a referral fee from me and don't worry about it, right? Like yeah. send it to me, we'll take care of all the show. Cause especially now in this marketplace, you may have to go on tour five, six, seven, eight times with a client before they write a contract. And for the amount of referrals these groups have, you're gonna need hundreds and hundreds of agents in every part of the market, dealing with licensing, dealing with why didn't you call that client back? You know, all, I mean, it's just so hard to manage. Yeah, the list goes on and on. Yeah. You might as well just take a referral fee and be done with it and never have to worry about it. But the list side, I do believe that I, I think you can control it. And I think you can make, I think you can make that pencil on the list side. I do. And I welcome that. I personally welcome that. Like, people always look at competition and they say, yeah, but you know, Zillow is going to be your competition, Jay, or Rocket, you know, they're going to be your competition, Jay. And I go, there's always a place for us. No right. matter where it is, there'll always be a place for us somewhere because people want to work with an actual in-market agent to Agreed. show them houses. And yep. that's where we fit in. And so I, I encourage all my partners, find, find as many ways to drive consumers as possible because we'll always find a, a niche to fit in somewhere. Do you think the Zillow... You know, I don't, they don't, Zillow's not in New York where we are at least. So I'm only hearing it from people that are crying about it on Facebooks and stuff and, you know, group chats. But do you feel that when they're advertising, oh, we'll buy your house, we'll list it for you for only 1% and they're, you know, undercutting everybody by miles. Do you think when they do that, it's going to hurt real estate as a whole in business where the local agent that wants to go in there for two, 3%, on, on the listing side and try to get a four or 5% listing or a 6% listing and pay out 2% to a buyer. Do you think that's going to affect them since they're advertising a 1% or you think look, man, the way I look at it is this, it's very simple. Like as things change, things change. And so you as an agent, but you're competing. And in that case, I ch I'm used to charging five, 6% for my listing. I got somebody that now they still got to pay buy side. So, you know, I, I don't see the buy side commissions getting cut a whole lot. I don't because you got to you got to still be able to drive agents traffic. who want to see that listing. You got to drive right. traffic. And if you're offering a one percent co broke, your home isn't going to get the traffic, right? No. And so, so they still got to pay buy side. So the list side becomes one. So if you're used to six and now they're getting four, yeah, you're going to lose clients. But if you have a better value prop, then your client that client's going to choose you. So right. the key component is this though. They're just, they're just getting to those consumers first with a better value prop because here's what they have that that agent doesn't. I'll take a hit on listing your home for 1%. But when you buy, you're going to buy with an agent that we're recommending to you. And when you get a loan, hopefully you use our lending company. And when you have a when you close with title, hopefully you use our title company. Right. They have so many more streams of revenue that are significant in that funnel of transacting that the agent, the only thing they have is the commission. And so they're able to offer in different phases of the transaction, bigger discounts that you can't because they're going to make money elsewhere. Right. They're making it A, B, C, and D on the back end. And they're still walking away with two, 3%. Meanwhile, they're only taking 1% from you up front. Here's the rub. Here's the rub that why this is all okay. And it's all legit is because the consumer's having a better benefit too. We're saving the consumer's money. We're giving them a great agent. We're discounting this so that as long as the consumer wins, 
then nobody's going to legally have an issue with it and they shouldn't. Right. Everybody's happy. Everyone's happy. So the only one that's not happy is the agent that lost that deal. But guess what? Clearly your value prop wasn't strong enough to win them over and that's on you. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's becoming more and more. And like we got really big into social media this, you know, this year where we have it like we do all these custom videos, this and that, where we're driving so much extra traffic and hits on, you know, their houses, everything social media these days, the whole penny saver, the news day, all the, I'm just going to put it on MLS. Yeah, you'll get, you'll get people there. But we now we're getting double, triple the amount of people just because of the amount of eyes that are now on the property. So I think that's such a value that agents should be doing. And if they're not, they're kind of really doing their sellers like a disservice. And that's really what's kind of separating us from the rest of the people. But well, and by the way, who came up with this golden rule anyway? Like when you think about this, for whatever reason, 3% became the norm. 3-3, three, three, right? 3 buy, 3 sell side. But let me ask you a question. If I sell my home for $4 million and I got to pay 6%, I'm paying 240 grand. But if I have a home that's 500,000, I only got to pay 30. Right. That agent's doing the same amount of work. Yep. Right? Same amount of work. It's the same yep. transaction, same amount of work, same everything. Why, gotta, why do I got to pay a quarter million dollars just because my home is worth more to get the same hours of work? Right. So really, where's, so really where, does, where does that make sense? Like to me, the way I look at it is an agent should kind of be paid like an attorney. If you're a great attorney, you charge more money for your hourly. But why is this 3% such a thing anyways? Like it's just been commonplace. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. But if I'm, Josh, if I sell your home for a certain amount of money and I sell someone else's for more money, but I do the same amount of work, why does it, why do I get paid triple over here? Just because that's what the price of the home is. I didn't do more work. Right. Why yeah. does that make sense? That doesn't it's, make sense. So, it's so true. And you know what? I don't know how it is. Like, I know what you guys are based in Arizona, you said, right? Headquartered. Yeah. Headquarters in there. So like for us, I already see it. We, our average commission I see across the board on Long Island is 4% total and they're paying out two and two. But more and more in Queens and the boroughs, they're doing 3% listings, paying out one and a half. It's, it's you know, people, I see people paying out one and these sellers are just so, you know, I'm sorry to say it, but they're just so stupid because they're letting these realtors put, sell their house and advertise that we're going to pay out 1%. And the amount of people that they're losing out on coming to that house to, that may be willing to pay over asking top dollar, whatever the case may be, are that's not going because they so really don't want to go. So, 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 but a lot of times this is what happens. A lot of times I'll say, I'll sell your home for 4% and you keep two or three and only pay out one on the buy side. And, and what you just said is the problem is because you were greedy and your seller don't, doesn't really know that you're only paying 1%, which is why they're not getting traffic at their house. Guess what? If you actually were paying what you should be paying in terms of people wanting to go see your home, their home, you could have way more people in there that would overbid. You're limiting the people that are bidding on the property because you're actually hiding from your client what you're really doing. And that's trying to grease your own pocket. Right. And that's a problem. And there needs to be transparency with that. And so a lot of states are creating transparency with that right now. But at the end of the day, like sellers don't know. They don't read those contracts through and yeah, through. They don't know. You just say sign here, sign here, sign here. And they're like, okay. And then all of a sudden they see the house online. They're like, oh, great. The pictures look beautiful. Yeah, yeah. But, but here's why the agents have to do it. 
is because these major corporations have these programs that they have to compete against. And they know that. And most importantly, consumers know it too. Consumers know now, like even 10 years ago, you, you charge 6% like everyone else. Yep. Okay. I'm cool with that. They didn't even think about it. It was just commonplace. I know I got to pay 6%. Consumers would tell the agent, you charge 6% like everyone else, right? Yes. Great. As long as you don't charge me more, it's fair. Now it's, what are you going to charge me? Because I right. know I can use my home here for X. I can go here for X. And so agents have to accommodate that. And But really, they're the, the seller is the one losing because the way that they accommodate for that is they sidewind these commissions to where it's in their favor. They don't pay out. So therefore, the, the seller loses because they don't get the traffic that they should, which should, in theory, if I have 10 people looking at a home compared to 100 and I got a 10% offer rate, I got 10 offers here. I got one offer here. Well, guess what? Of those 10, I'm going to make you more money selling your house because I can create, I can create yep. a bidding war for your home right? If I only have one offer, I, I can't make you as much money on your home. And that's what happens. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the agent's not doing a good job of pitching it to them in that, in that way for the client to understand. And they just see, oh, if you do it for this percentage, I don't want to pay any more on this percentage because I don't want to pay any more commission. An extra five grand, that extra 1%, they think is going to, you know, really suffer their pocket. And they're not seeing the big picture of, you know, the end user coming to that open house and making an offer that makes them and nets them $15,000, $10,000 more than that one point cost them. That's you know, exactly it's, right. It's, it's, it's wild. And I see so many, and uh, in my opinion, I, I, I see both sides of it because I also see a lot of agents, uh, you know, a lot of buyers, they show one random person, they show them one house or, and then they want to get paid the same amount of money that, a realtor does that put in all the work and the advertising and everything of that nature where, you know, they're like, Oh, why are you only paying out 1%? Well, yes, if it sucks when your client wants to see that house, I get it. You don't want, you know, you don't want to make 1%. And then a lot of agents try to make up some story. It's not available, whatever, because they don't want to show it to them. Well, I, but, I agree with you. I, I agree with you in the sense of it's really not fair when you think about it, because I'm the one that has to put up the money for the photos, the tours, the signage, I got to spend time on this thing. Yep. And yet I'm the one that gets kind of screwed on the commissions because the buy side is pretty, pretty easy when you think about showing this house and then you're going to, but now you're not going to show because you're only getting one, but I'm at a, I'm in a breaking point here where I don't have enough money to go around. And, and it is, it is this cycle that seems to be what you would consider unfair, but here's, you want, you want the number one way to solve this problem, do more deals because the more deals you do, the less commission on each property you need to worry about. And that's why partnering up with companies like my company, and if I can, you know, get you to do 4X what you did last year on your deals, you don't worry about that. If, if you're only doing six to eight deals a year, 10 deals a year, every commission's important. If right. you're doing 40, then things change a bit. And yeah. of those 40, you're going to get referrals from people that you don't have to discount in credit. Personal referrals are the ones that actually pay out the best. It's the Absolutely. people that you don't know that you create internal competition within other organizations because they're the ones nickel and diming you. When I get a referral from a past client, I can go in there because they've already said my praises. They know I do a great job. They know I'm worth it. I don't even have to negotiate it. Right. Like two and a half, two and a half, right? Like simple. Yeah. Well, do more business to get more of those clients. Right. Yeah. It's just, 
you want more, you want make more money, meet more people. You want to, you know, just keep, keep, keep the system rolling. When do you, do you guys do a lot of buyer broker agreements with buyers? Like saying, okay, you know, you're going to guarantee us 3% regardless if they're paying out one to two, three, or I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. I have opinions on that. I never did them when I was in the field and you know, in my I, I, love, I really want to hear this because I was totally against it always. And then I never well, done it. And then this year, my attorney, one of my attorneys are like, you got to do it. You got to do it. So I'm like, I don't well, know. It depends on how it's positioned. And, and I say that because I never did it when I was in the field and I was the number one agent in Arizona for many years. And I never did it because I felt it was uncomfortable and I didn't want to make my clients uncomfortable. Right. Now, in the environment we have today where there's so many offers and you got to act quick in the consumer loyalty is not as high as it was even three, four, five, six years ago, yeah. right? Consumers have less loyalty to their buyer side agents where show me this house. I don't like it. Then they don't call them. They go on Zillow, find another agent to show them that house. Like, so I think there's more of a need for it today than there was before. Right. I do think it's uncomfortable still, but at least you can have a piece. But I will say this because the loyalty isn't what it once was. And because you have to go on tour so many times in this marketplace to secure a home, the more that we make it commonplace, the less the consumers will shy away from it. Agreed. And so just like commissions, you know, it used to be 6% for decades. Don't even think about it. It's always 6%. Well, if you always have to sign a buyer broker agreement, no one starts to question that. So if we make that commonplace in our practices in every state and every MLS, guess what? then we can give you that form it's with confidence that this is just part of the process. Right. Cause that's the biggest thing for me. I feel if an eight, if a client doesn't want to sign that, then they really don't want to be loyal to you because they want to have the option. If something pops up tomorrow and they want to call somebody else, go ahead. But if I just showed you 16 houses over the last two months, because we haven't been able to get a house, not that our offers are bad or not that I haven't been available, but just because, you decide one day to call a house off Zillow instead of reaching out to Josh and saying, Hey, I want to see this house. And all of a sudden you love it. Or they show up because I can't find it on resale. My wife and I decided to stop by Pulte homes this weekend and we bought a house. Why didn't you tell me? We didn't know we had to tell you. Right. Now I don't get that deal. So you do two and a half months, three months of business of working with them. Don't get paid. And then they just want to go out on their own and the guy shows one house. I love it. And he gets paid and you don't. So it's like that aspect. I feel if, like you said, if it became the norm, it would make everything easier. And I don't the think more, there's wrong with the that. The more people like you talk about it, the more people like you talk about it, the more that we make this a national play that, hey, every client should sign a buyer broker. And I'll tell you what, if you get, if you get the net, if you get NAR to back that, that, hey, if you're a member of NAR, you know, you got to get buyer broker agreements signed. Like it'll take a little while to get steam. But right. when it becomes commonplace and consumers are expecting it, then they'll all be signed. Because here's what happens. Like even now, though, you can still get around that in the sense of if you're looking at a property that's paying 1% per se, right? Mm-hmm. If you tell your client and foreshadow to them, listen, I'm going to show you this home just so you know, if you like this home, there's a 2% buyer premium on it. What do you mean? Well, just like auction, just like whatever, they charge buyer premiums because the seller was too greedy to pay on the buy side. So now they have to pay up. Now you have to pay the buyer premium. 
Now you might not like the home and you might not have to, but if you like this particular one, you do have to pay the buyer premium just a heads up because if they go into that home and then you tell them, then they're going to question you. Right. But if they, but if you tell them up front and still choose to go into that home, they're, they're prepared for it. Right. I did a, I did a video yesterday. I think is super impactful to people that listen to it. And it is, it's not what you say. It's when you say it. Like if I say that after you see the home, you question me. Right. If I say it before you see the home, you're expecting it. So, it's the same message. I just said it at the appropriate time. That's so honestly a great way to, uh, to, to mention how to mention that. I thought, you know, I never thought of it that way and how you just said it, I think is like a home run. Yeah. You know, I, I really do. I, I, I think so more. Now, people- now I'm not the bad guy. The seller's right. the bad guy or the seller's agent's the bad guy, right? right? They're trying to be greedy. The seller agent wants to make more money. So therefore they're charging a buyer premium because they wanted to get the listing. We don't need to get into all that. Just know that if you buy this one, there's a 2% buyer premium. And that's it. Yeah. I like I like that because I ran into one issue with one client when I signed a 3% buyer broker agreement because I thought, you know, that's what I think my time is worth. And I think, you know, whatever the case may be on this with this client and the buyer, the seller is paying out 2% and 2% is kind of the standard anywhere between two. You find some two and a halves, you know, rares, rare that you see a payout of three on Long Island anymore. Sure. Uh, so, you know, I think we, we got accepted. And then after they found out that they had to pay an extra 1% and I wasn't even thinking about, you know, I wasn't even thinking about it, you know, and I never even said, Hey, you know, there's an extra 1% that we're, we're going to have to bring to the closing table, blah, blah, blah. And then when it came up, you know, they're like, why am I paying that extra 1%? I was like, oh, remember when we first started like two months ago when we signed the buyer broker agreement? And I explained to you that, you know, some. Yeah, but now they're upset. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Now they're upset because, yes, they signed the contract. They agree- they understood what you said. But if I told them, okay, guys, we're- this house is paying out two before we go see it. This one's paying out two. This one's paying out one and a half. This one's paying out two and a half. And they would expect it, like you said. And I think it hits less because they already, they know up front. That's right. So that house that they bought. When, before you show them, you say, hey, just, just so you guys know, there's a 1% buyer premium on this house. If you buy it, it will be on the settlement statement when you close. You'll have to do a little explanation as of why, but at least they know and it never comes up again. And and that's the point. When you say something too far in advance and then you start looking at a bunch of houses and then you throw that in there on the end, you didn't remind them. Yeah. But as you go to that particular home and, rem- and tell them this, they're going to remember that. That's why I said, it's not what you say, it's when you say it. Because we're saying the same thing. It's just when you insert what you want to say. Yeah, no, I, this is why I love doing the podcast with all, like with all the people I have on there. I learned something from every single person that I can implement in my own business, which is why I tell every single person they they should have a podcast because it just opens up so many doors of knowledge. It's incredible. So again, I really thank you for, you know, for taking your time. Um, So last question, because I know I took up a lot of your time already, but for the realtor that's, starting out that's doing anywhere between zero and five deals a year you know what do you think is the top two three things that they should be focusing on to get to 10 deals 15 deals at least a year well the first thing is get busy like if you're not doing open houses then you're not doing your job i did open houses for years and anybody that doesn't have ad spend or money to grow their to grow their uh, brand and do whatever, you got to find ways to organically create more eyeballs to see who you are. And open houses are a great way to do that. 
I would say attack social media because it's very inexpensive to do so. And then look to some of your friends that are influencers. Like look to some of your friends that work at big organizations and say, hey, look, I'd love to do a presentation. Can I buy your office lunch? Can I do this? Can I do that? Host community events. If you live in a community, do a community event and invite your entire community to come, you know, ride the ponies, get some ice cream, uh, have a barbecue. The more people you get in front of and then you're there and you're giving them your information, right? Like the problem is, again, we can say all these things that you can do and no one implements them because these, these things work. Every quarter you do a community event, right? And guess what? You're going to get a hundred plus people there. If you hand out flyers, if you, you know, find people on social media that live within the community, if, if you market it right and you spend very little money on marketing and then you spend say two grand on the event itself to get a hundred people there to say, thank you. Thank you. We are considering selling our home. Would you take a look next weekend and take a look at it? Like if you get a hundred people to your community event, believe me, five people are considering buying or selling real estate. I guarantee it. And once they have your information, if you have a program for them, let's say, when you list with me, I give you X. When you buy with me, I give you Y. Now all of a sudden they're like, oh, right. this is cool. But you got to put it together. Yeah, you're, you're tying in, just like you said, the B2B strategy in, in a fundraiser, basically, or in, you know, just doing something for the community. You can tie it into each other and just keep building, you know, keep building all the people that you're exactly. meeting. You know, again, I took 41 minutes of your time, so I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, for anybody that has questions, you know, about, you know, your team or your brokerage or, you know, anything, what's the best way that, you know, they can get a hold of somebody, you know, in your team if they're interested or they have questions or anybody that's looking up? Yeah, I'd, I'd say a couple of things. One, uh, thejasonmitchellgroup.com is the site you want to go to for information on how to build your career with us. So that's thejasonmitchellgroup.com. And then what I tell you is that, you know, I wrote my uh, number one bestseller, uh, The 40 Day Blueprint, and I'm giving away the audio for free to anybody because I, I did it because I wanted to better our industry, not to make money on it. I haven't made a dollar on the book. I've sold, I think I've sold over 40,000 copies and I haven't made a dollar on it because that wasn't my intent. Right. But if you go to the 40 dayblueprintcom and you, you go to buy the audio, if you put my last name, all lowercase, You'll, the audio will download for free for you. So to anybody listening as part of the podcast, I think we, I think it's a hundred bucks online. You get it for free. 40dayblueprint.com. Um, type in my last name, Mitchell, and you'll get it for free. Blueprint.com. I want to write that down. So when we tag this, we'll uh, put it out there for everybody. Mitchell. Awesome. Well, again, I really appreciate it. Again, if anybody's looking to buy or sell on Long Island, you have any questions about the market, feel free to reach out. We'll help answer any questions. 516-732-6398. Until next time, that's a wrap.